0: Hi, my name is Danny, and I am a horticulturalist. Welcome to my little podcast, Leaves, Stems and Roots. Season 1, Episode 9, Alternative Practices. Part 1, Hydroponics. Quote, making a garden is somehow like conducting a symphony. Different plants come forward at different times and you need to think very carefully about their placement in relation to each other. Elizabeth Murdoch. Hello, leaflets. Just a bit of admin before I start. Thanks for all your kind words of encouragement and rating the show. It really does help. If you haven't yet, please rate the show. It helps grow my audience. To help with the setup and continuing of the show, you now can subscribe. Either a once-off payment or monthly. As small as three bucks. Link in the show notes. This may eventually contribute to more episodes or merch. The show notes always get a little crammed, so I will be adding the pictures I speak of in episodes to the website stemsleavesandroots.com and on Instagram at stems underscore leaves underscore and underscore roots underscore with underscore Danny. I hope to add some more fun things to TikTok too. I am trying to make it easy as possible for you to listen to it and interact with me with questions, comments, and yes, even criticisms. I know the recordings have been a little bit subpar lately, but I'm hoping from now on it will be better. Anyway, that's enough of that. Onwards, my dear leaflets. Are we still excited? Still in spring. Today we're going into the alternative types of gardening practices we can use for kitchen gardens. I will be also talking about it in larger scales as well, like commercial. There is a lot of information, so I am going to do this in four parts. Today we're going to be talking about hydroponics. Part two is on aquaponics. And then part three is about bees and chickens. And the fourth part is going to bring it all together with permaculture. And I've already done some research on permaculture. It sounds very exciting. I went down a few rabbit holes and some say permaculture is a cult. Okay, my dear leaflets, let's talk hydroponics. If I say hydroponics, what do you think of? I'm talking legally, people. I think tomatoes and lettuce. So hydroponics, what does it mean? Oh yeah, definition time. (laughs) Oxford defines it as the process of growing plants in sand, gravel or liquid with added nutrients without soil. So what does that mean? I just add a few seedlings to some glasses of water and hope for the best. Because as you know, my dear leaflets, some of our herbs grow roots when we place them in a container of water. At this very moment, on my windowsill in the kitchen, there is a basil mint producing some gorgeous roots in a vase. Picture on Instagram. And remember a few episodes ago when we talked about propagation on a budget? My avo pit is immersed in water. So would I call that hydroponics? Technically, I guess kind of. Hydroponics has been around for a very long time. So apparently in the 10th century, the Aztecs were reportedly using floating gardens in nearby lakes. And the Chinese utilised hydroponics with rice fields with no soil. This was in the 13th century. By the 16th century in Belgium, Jan Helmand recorded the earliest known science-based research on hydroponics. In 1699, John Woodward came up with a nutrient based solution. This creation was the first in the world. How would we know, really? I mean, it wasn't as if we had social media back then. In modern times, however, the first person who was credited for the modern reference to hydroponics was Mr. William Frederick Garic hope I'm saying his name properly. In 1937, he grew tomato vines, which ended up being 7.6 meters high in his backyard. Wow. Mr. Garrick popularized hydroponics while he was working at Berkeley University of California. Apparently, he also is known as the father of hydroponics. He was also the founder of the name Hydro, meaning water, and ponos, meaning labour. In the 1940s, during the wars, hydroponics became a thing again, pretty much out of necessity. One example is in Wake Island in the Pacific Ocean, which was a frequent refuelling stop. It was incapable of producing crops. The rocky terrain prevented traditional farming. So the US Air Force made small 36 square metres hydroponic growing beds, which eventually produced a weekly yield of 40 kilos of fresh produce every week. And today, like all practices, hydroponics have thrived to become easier and better each year. With the addition of smart technologies, it has become a huge contributor to the world's food. So why would we use hydroponics at all? Isn't it a waste of water? Isn't it just a waste of time? Why are there so many commercial veggie hydroponic farms out there? And why is it such a game changer for the cut flower industry? Well, let me tell you. Without using soil, this minimises pests and diseases. So pesticide residue is therefore minimised as well. Through the water system, the nutrients are always at a constant and it doesn't get leached into the soil. As most are recirculated systems, it actually saves water and is uh, space conscious. It also has a better yield and is time-saving. Well, that sounds wonderful. Why don't we all just do that? It has a high setup cost. Now, remember, I'm talking commercial growing here. It is reliant on constant electricity and power. It can be high maintenance and the monitoring as you require necessary nutrients, pH, temperature, etc. for some specific species, and it is susceptible to waterborne diseases. No pests due to the soil, but it can get fungus and other types of diseases. The other thing I read about, which I didn't even think about, is, is it organic? Well, some people would argue that, but there is no soil, so there's no pests, so no pesticides. So shouldn't it just be automatically organic? Well, no, depending on the nutrient-based solutions you use. Plus, how are you treating the waterborne diseases? It really can't be assumed it's organic. Apparently, this is a huge debate across the world. On this, I assume that in order to have an organic stamp of approval, there are some very stringent rules to follow. Surely, as we understand that hydroponics has been around for a long time, this would also have the same rules to apply. Sometimes I think the powers of B have way too much power and like to debate about things that really don't need to be debated. Anywho, hydroponics also requires expertise training. Okay, so that's fun and dandy with commercial farming, but what about my backyard system? They do have similar pros and cons as well. However, if you choose to go down this route, I would assume you've already done your homework. And one would already assume you know how much time and effort it takes to maintain it. I really think it is a very interesting alternative to soil planting However, briefly, there is no soil, so this minimises pests and diseases, um, and it also, therefore, there is no need for pesticides. However, you still may get diseases, as I said before, instead of soil-borne diseases, you may get waterborne, and you need to be aware of that. Setup costs may still be an issue but there are many different systems out there. You can choose on how much you want to spend. There are many ways of setting them up. As with a lot of these things there are DIY systems, ready-made systems to be bought either on a small or a grander scale. There are some that are a few hundred bucks to ones that are over a thousand bucks. Obviously what you want and can either afford or want in your garden and what kind of species you wish to be able to grow. Okay, there are six hydroponic systems which I will briefly describe now. Then we will talk about which would be best for you for your garden. Number one is water culture. This is probably the easiest and simplest system. It uses a floating foam board which floats on a reservoir of water. This water has the nutrients needed for the plants. The roots are submerged in the water solution. The positives of this is that it can be large, as in over 100m square, or as small as a used jam's jar. This particular system is great for leafy veggies such as lettuce, spinach, silverbeet, etc. Number two is nutrient film technique, or NFT. This is popular with commercial farming. This is the system you have probably seen when first thinking about hydroponics. There are PVC pipes where the plants are, and these pipes have the nutrient solution running through them. This solution continues to flow through the pipes or channels to the holding tank and keeps circulating again and again. A subsection of this system is aeroponics, which is the flow of air exposing the roots, and... Uh, the nutrient solution is continually being sprayed as a mist. The continuous circulating of the nutrient solution is why it is a subsection. Number three is drip system. With the use of various growing mediums such as cocoa core, peat, and mud balls, drip needles are inserted into them, and instead of the polypipe or NFT, And the continuous flow of the solution, the solution is delivered to each plant via drip hoses and needles. This is perfect for tomatoes and cucumbers and any other nutrient high plants. This is also can be quite um, expensive. Well, you need to have the needles for individual plants, so that's a cost, and also you need to be able to have the pipes in between these needles. Number four is ebb and flow. This sounds like a very simple and reliable system. It also has very low initial investment costs. It uses pots with growing medium. The medium is either clay balls, coconut or rock wool, which absorbs moisture and allows root ventilation. This anchors the roots and soaks up the nutrient solution. These pot plants are in tight reservoirs which provide the solution. The water will flood the pots for a short amount of time, saturating the medium, and then the solution will ebb slowly away, allowing the plants to get its nutrients. This is fine for most plants depending on the size of the pots. As it is a closed system, aeration is a must, um, plus the monitoring of pH, ppm of nutrients. Now, this can be done manually or automated. When I went to TAFE a long time ago, we had this type of hydroponics. And I remember having to work out the pH and the parts per millions of nutrients and also the water flow, which ended up being quite confusing because I couldn't work out volume very well back then. Anyway, it's a good system to have if you understand all of that. Number five is a Dutch bucket. Not Dutch oven, which I kept saying, (laughs) and I had to keep on rewinding and um, re-record. Maybe one day I will put in a bloopers reel. Um, Not today, though. (laughs) This is very similar to ebb and flow in some aspects. It is anchored to a particular medium to support the root system and the water will flow back to the tank for recirculation. Great for nutrient-rich root systems and large plants. Clay balls are used a lot in all of these systems and it is fantastic for Dutch systems as the balls absorb the water solution and has enough space to have air for the roots. Great for plants who require well-draining conditions. Number six is aquaponics. Now, as you may have remembered at the beginning of this episode, part two is all about aquaponics. So I won't be talking too much about that now. However, instead of using nutrients, the nutrient solutions of hydroponics, we actually use the fish excretions as its nutrients. So what's the best system for the home garden? So out of of the above it would be the deep water culture system. This is also known as a whole heap of other different names. I think it's either depending on where you are. Um, one I saw was Active Aqua Root Spa, it's very similar. As said before, requires a large reservoir of water with your nutrients blended through. Have a board on top where the roots go through into the water. I've decided I'm going to try this one with the kids at the school, so I'll let you know how this turns out. I think you ha- if you have a bit more room and would like to extend your hydroponic system, I think either the drip system or ebb and flow system could work as well, really depending on why you're doing it. I'm not saying that hydroponics is any better than other techniques, it's, but it's good to understand what they are. As I finish off, I will tell you briefly of other plants that have been grown hydroponically, either commercially or not. Orchids, begonias, carnations, peace lily. I know peace lilies are beautiful and they mean so much, but unfortunately it gives me a headache. I think it gives my whole family a headache. I'm getting a headache even talking about them oh my goodness. Others are roses, iris, zinnia, lavender, and some daisies. Excellent. Have you had any experience with hydroponics? Do you know someone who has? Please let me know through Instagram or Facebook or wherever you want to. (laughs) Um, If you wanted to give it a go, what would you try? What kind of system would you use? And What is your favorite veggie? Do you reckon that would be awesome in a hydroponic system? Nearing the end of the episode now, so we talk about what I have growing in my garden and I have chives, garlic chives to be exact. My son loves them in his scrambled eggs and we have just planted a whole heap at the school too. Um, I have no hydroponics, although I think I want to try it. It's, it sounds really interesting and I think it would be great to have more of an understanding of it. I do have obviously my avo, which has a beautiful, nice root on it, which you'll see on Instagram, and my basil mint. Thanks for listening. Until next time, toodaloo. All media pertaining to this episode will be in the show notes. Please follow through Instagram and we now have a Facebook group. Tell me about your kitchen gardens. Please remember to rate and review. And remember to pull up your plants so we can get dirty. Blop, blop. It's just not great. I uh, really would like to be able to fix it, but I think I'm going to have to just cut it all the way back because it is really, really bad. But as you know, wasp gall, you can't get rid of any time, any, any, you can't get rid of it at all. Um, So that's what's in my garden at the moment. I do have some, but it's so brilliant, isn't it? That spring. I love spring because everything is flowering. So I have, um, Allergyne Hughley, which is just massive and it is massive ray of purple flowers. Then I have my bottle brush, which is the Callistemon Verminalis, which is a weeping one. And that is just beautiful. I've also got, um, Prostanthera olophalia which I spoke about last week in the Bush Tucker, and that is just looking beautiful as well. Um, everything's just grown weirdly, and all this rain we've had in in Victoria. And I I really hope the people who are in flood waters or in the fires are doing okay. And I am thinking of you. Uh, Thanks for listening. All sources pertaining to this episode will be in the show notes, so you can find them through my website, stemsleavesroots.com. Thank you. And until next time, my dear leaflets, toodle-oo.